0: Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy, and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward thinking, and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom, and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So, on to today's episode. Is it recording end? It does. Amazing. What a way to start a Monday! Yeah. I'm speaking to, quite possibly, the most positive, motivating person ever. I am speaking to Gavin Oates. Now, I have to take a big deep breath in for all the things that I'm just going to rhyme off, right?
1: Okay, go for it.
0: (laughs) Award-winning entrepreneur, comedian, best-selling author, keynote speaker, and managing director of Tree of Knowledge. That's me. Plus... All the things that make up you, you're a dad, you're a husband, you're a friend, you're a colleague, and we'll probably get into all of that. But first of all, Gavin, do you want to play a game?
1: Uh, listen, I do. I'm all, I am all—I always want to play a game, so go for it.
0: Yes, right. I don't know if you've played this one before. I play it in school sometimes where uh, I say number one, and then you say number two, Right. and then I say number three, and yep. then we go back to the start, right? So we'll start like that, right? Okay, do you want to start? Right. One. Two.
1: One.
0: You have to say three.
1: Oh, shit. So <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: all good. It's Monday. I, I just sprung that on you. So we're going, yeah, up, to yeah, yeah.
1: We're going yeah, up to three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can definitely count to three. Let's go. Right. One, <laughs> two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three.
0: One. We've got it. Right. Okay. So the next bit is we have to replace all the numbers with a word and an action. Okay. Wow. Right. Okay. okay. I, I've got the words already. So we're good. So I'm not even going to ask you to. Use your imagination. I'm just going to give you the words.
1: Yeah, go for
0: it. Um, and these are superpowers, apparently, according to you, anyway, in one of your fabulous books. So we're going to use the words imagination, creativity, and innovation. Right. right? So imagination's going to be number one. So you have to come up with an action, and you have to say the word imagination. Yeah. So you're coming up with an action for imagination and innovation.
1: Okay. Okay, cool. And
0: I'm doing creativity. Okay, <laughs> what, are do? <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do for imagination?
1: For imagination, I'm going to do this right here. Two oh, fingers yeah. to the temples.
0: Lovely. Okay, imagination. And what are we doing for innovation?
1: For innovation, we are going to do this pose here. I don't know if you can see yes. that. Yes. It. Like yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, Usain Bolt. Yeah. Same Usain Bolt. Kind
1: of, I, I realised I did something that you couldn't really see on the screen there, but yes. It's
0: all good. Um, I'm going to say creativity is creativity.
1: Do that again. <laughs> Right okay. Just, all sorry. I thought you were so fast all I saw was a blur across the screen.
0: You saying Bolt over here. Sorry. We're rolling <laughs> we're rolling creativity. Right okay. Yeah. You can start.
1: Right okay. Imagination.
0: Creativity. Innovation. <laughs> Imagination.
1: Creativity. Innovation. Imagination.
0: <laughs> creativity. Innovation. <laughs> Imagination.
1: Creativity.
0: I love this game. Right, amazing. Everybody listening to this podcast is great, but like, all right, guys, just just have a lovely time yourselves.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're just I love that game.
0: I've not played a game in so long because we're not allowed to be in real life right now. We're on the internet and obviously I would have much preferred to do this in real life but Absolutely. this is the next best thing. Thanks for joining in my game.
1: Oh listen it's a pleasure and thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm excited to be here. I love everything that you put out. It's just so upbeat, so positive huh. and um it's been lovely during like there's lots of good things ha- have definitely come out of 2020 for so many and one of the things for me is I've found lots of Podcasts, lots of like-minded people, new books, new things to watch to listen to, people to speak with, um, and it was funny because as you've just said, like we're we're not allowed to really do things in real life at the moment, and it was funny because halfway through March, my world turned upside down, as everyone else has did. But from a business point of view, I just literally flipped upside down, got the fright of my life, and then all of a sudden, everyone had a podcast, and everyone said, "Gavin, come on the show," and Gavin and I was like, "Okay, so there's there's something for me to do, and it's nice."
0: And have you never thought about doing a podcast yourself or is that just you need to invent like the eighth day of the week to do that?
1: Yeah. So I actually have a podcast, um, (gasps) but it's top secret. And that sounds ridiculous. It's not top secret. It's nothing to do with my work at all.
0: Right. (laughs) So
1: I do a podcast on a Tuesday night at nine o'clock called Show Offs. And my co-host is a guy called Kevin McMahon. His stage name is Kevin Quantum. He's one of the country's top magicians. Yes. And I used to be in a comedy show called The Color Ham with two very, very successful performers, one of which is Kev. And we realized quite early on in lockdown that we weren't able to see each other. And um, we started jumping on Zoom and things like that just to catch up with each other. And we Mm. thought something's missing. And we realized it was an audience because our whole our whole life is on a stage, whether it's speaking at events, hosting events, Kev doing his magic and things like that, delivering workshops, and it and that had been just taken really quite abruptly. And when you're a performer and all of a sudden you don't have that outlet anymore, that that platform to just go for it, we realized that's what was missing. So Absolutely. what we did originally is we were pre recording our podcasts. And we thought we'll get to the stage where we've got six or seven, get ahead of ourselves a little bit, mm. and then we'll start uploading them. And we got seven into it, and we were like, this isn't right, something's missing. And then it was then that we realized it was a live audience. So we got ourselves onto StreamYard and we created the show-offs Facebook page. And we basically go out every Tuesday at nine o'clock. And the whole point of the show is to show off. <laughs> <laughs> and And it's it's to celebrate everybody in the world who has ever dared to put themselves out there, no matter what it is. Uh, I mean, we've had the guy who was the voice of Lionel from Thundercats, the 80s cartoon on the show. Um, We've had, um, who have we had with Jason Byrne, the Irish comedian, uh, who's just one of the best comedians in the world. Uh, We've just had some really crazy cool people on, some really random ones as well. And it's funny because every week, somebody says in the comments... Because it's live and they can join in, um, they say, "Why, why do you guys not just phone each other?" Because <laughs> <laughs> it is—it's just me and one of my best pals having a blather, talking nonsense. We don't talk about work. We can, well, do you know what? We touch on it a little bit. Hmm. There is there is a rule that we're not allowed to talk about politics, and we're not allowed to talk about coronavirus. Um, cool. And one That's of the, plan. well, one of the reviews we had recently was it's an hour of pure escapism and silliness so i've never advertised it i've never pushed it it's been purely because i'm
0: thinking like i've done my research like this is pure top secret now i'm gonna to have to go and-
1: yeah yeah we'll see it's not got our names in the title and things like we it was all deliberate mm. we just thought you know what let's just have an hour and if anybody joins us and it's been funny because it's been building each week i mean we're on episode uh, uh tomorrow night will be episode 18 you know we might have i don't know we might we might have 500 people listening we might have 15 you know it's Obviously, the, the, the down, there's a lot more people download it throughout the week, but in terms of live, it just adds that different dimension. And to give you an example, we, we we did a show and there was a guy got in touch to say, you guys have cheered me right up, I'm in hospital. And we were like, are you in hospital because you're unwell or are you working? And it's just all very mm-hmm. stressful at the moment in the NHS. And he said, no, I've had three toes removed. Oh my <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm laughing because only only because I, I know the conversation that then ensued with mm-hmm. a guy who's in hospital who joined us live on the show. He then sent a picture of his foot. Um, and then there was about, I don't know how many people were listening, but the puns, the toe puns that started coming in. And he was loving it. And he said, this Aww. is this has made the whole thing. And there was people saying things like, mm. has one of your toes gone to market and all this sort of terrible oh, stuff. And But he was loving it. He was loving it. And do you know what? He sent us this beautiful message after the show that night and said, I've had the worst three weeks of my life he said, nobody's allowed to come and see me because of coronavirus. Uh-huh. And I, I didn't even know you guys had a show. I found it by accident and you've made the whole thing uh, more enjoyable. And we just thought, do you know what? That's why we do it. Uh, that's what it's
0: all about. What and that's know? what being like a show-off, I think, as someone who probably, as a young person, was probably called a show-off and still, to this day, probably is called a oh, show-off. Yeah. It's not about, it's not necessarily about the, the adoration of the crowd. It's like being... With other people and feeling that yeah. energy,
1: no, absolutely, and and this is where you know some somebody had said to me, "Oh, show offs is a bit of an arrogant um, uh, title," and we're going, "No, no, you you don't understand. No. This is this is not the show off in that stereotypical, you know, being arrogant type. It, th- this is about those of us who have this genuine want and desire to." To, to take a thing that either we're passionate about, good at, believe in, it, c- it could be singing, it could be dancing, it can be comedy, it can be knitting, it can be writing, it can be running, it could be gymnastics, en- anything at all, and just celebrating anybody who's ever dared to just just put themselves out there to the world with that thing and show it off to the world. Um, and you know what? It seems to really resonate with people because we all have a passion, we all have a thing, but we don't all dare to put it out there. And that which is fine, but there's a lot of people want to and never do. So hopefully, we're helping a wee bit.
0: Well, I think even you know, if if it's not about putting your passion out there for other people to see, I think in a a kind of selfless way, if you do, then you run the risk of inspiring someone else, and that's awesome. So if you're, like, holding back because you're like, oh, I don't want to seem like I'm showing off, like, if you just tell somebody that you're doing something and show them what you're doing, you might just inspire them to try it or to be like, actually, I do this thing. Yeah. and You know what I mean? And, like, well, that's, like, a total selfless reason for just putting yourself out there, and that's kind of what I wanted to do with this podcast. Like, you know, I work in the arts, and I, I get to be in front of people all the time, apart from 2000. 20 but we'll talk about that um we probably will at some point but the podcast really was that connection with other people to give them a platform to say I love this thing that I do and in the hope that other people would then go do you know what I'm going to try that or I'm going to make space for that in my life or actually I do this thing and it's just about that sharing and connection and where do you think that stems from in you do you think you've always had that urge to to connect and share and be a show off in the best possible way
1: yeah I think so so um I think this definitely comes from you're know, way way back so my my mum was uh or well she's retired now my mum was a PE teacher yes. and um there's something about maybe not all PE teachers, but most PE teachers, they, of course, they're up in front of a big room full of people. They're having to project their voice. They need to capture your attention. Now, all teachers do this, but I I saw this through my mum's eyes. Um, of course. And when my mum had me and my brother, she took time out of her day job, but um, on an evening was doing classes. So she ran, I grew up in Troon in Ayrshire. Yep, my mum my ran the gymnastics classes and my mum did swimming lessons. and And quite often as a wee boy, I sat at the side of the room and and watched. Uh, mm. Occasionally, helped, and my mum would say, "Right, Gavin, you need to pick up all the the mats," or that, and I I toddle about, and people would say, "Can you do a forward roll?" and "Can you do?" and I would just I would just join in. So from a very young age, I saw my mum get up there and connect with young people in a way that I, I'm absolutely certain it inspired me. Um, mm. The performing. Uh, part of my life you know i've I've been in stand-up since i was only 17 18 years of age i've traveled the world doing it that that i don't know where that came from um that came that was me i became obsessed with comedy at a very young age i was always obsessed with people like vic reeves and bob mortimer rick, uh, rick Mayall, uh, pro programs like bottom things like that you know it was all it was the physical comedy and then when jim carey came along i was like oh look at that guy's face look what he can do with it and and it just excited me and you know, I always always had this weird almost desperation to get up on stage and and make people laugh, but but I also I also had this real underlying nervousness and anxiety about putting myself on stage and and that haunted me for a very long time uh until I think the real turning point for me was when I went to uni to uh, to study teaching. Um I yeah. did a, I did a four-year degree in primary school teaching and of course you know, you have to do these great big placements where you are up in front of, I don't know, 24, 25, 26 kids from nine o'clock to half past three. And you need to learn to entertain, to enlighten, to educate, to inspire, to lift, to, to connect with. Um, and I I very quickly realized I was out my comfort zone, but within a, my my purpose. I just mm. needed to learn how to get it connected yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. properly.
1: Um, uh. I knew I always wanted to be in education uh, but again that came from my mum. My, my dad was also the local, one of the local rugby coaches so I again from the age of four and five I saw him up there coaching amazing rugby less, uh, uh, sessions that I was a part of from the age of four or five and yeah, yeah so um, I think it was definitely stemmed from mum initially uh, but also my love of all things silly played a part in that and then when I really got into the teaching side of it, when I got into like second or third year at uni, like the really full on placements, I realised that actually teaching and performing are very much the same thing and very much pieced together with passion and energy and laughter and, and stories. And, and yeah, I just fell in love with it. And that and that was me.
0: I love it. I love it. So being a teacher, what, what kind of teacher were you, Gavin? I mean, I'm saying where you because you are still a teacher but in a different capacity, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So as a primary school teacher, how would you describe your style of teaching?
1: I think my style of teaching I like I really um I really cared about the, the experience that the kids were having. Um, I didn't care so much about subjects as individual subjects. I I absolutely respected the importance of subjects. Mm. But for me, it was this idea of the minute they come in the door, like before the jackets are off, before they've even sat down, the day has begun for me. Yeah. And it's about how I speak to them in that moment. And I wanted to make sure that they, they left the classroom feeling better than how they entered the classroom. Every single day, and I I wanted it to be upbeat and fun, and you know I, I I wanted people to laugh. You know, I always remember other teachers saying, "There's always laughter coming from your classroom." That sounds really corny, but do you know what that, that was? lovely. Really, but but it was really important to me because you know I've written about and talked a lot about the types of teachers that I've had uh, in in my life, and the ones I remember were the ones who turned up. You know, the ones who who made an effort every day to walk in that door and be there and. And, and see you you know that, that was the thing you, the, the teachers I remember most of the ones who who saw me you know the real the real me and, and didn't just put didn't just put up with with me and that's hard for teachers and I know that and I know that teaching is very stressful and you know when you've got again it could be 25 28 different personalities different abilities different interests different strengths different weaknesses and your job is to hold it all together all day every day in the primary classroom it is hard. But, um... yeah, hence
0: why I've never became a teacher I mean loads of my mates will say you should be a teacher you know loads of my mates are teachers um, but the joy of my job going into school and, and being the visitor is that I get the best bits I get to be like the star turn <laughs> and yeah, then I get yeah. to go bye and you have to deal with lunches and fallouts and people not getting things and you know but I've been witness to the magic of when a teacher is just totally on it and engaged and knows their class and is listening and paying attention and not just going right well I've got this lesson and this is how it's going to go like going with the class rather than just imposing everything onto them if if that makes any sense and I think the teachers that are the most reactive and are willing to be silly you know like obviously i'm coming in to do a dance workshop we're doing some acting and we're asking teachers to play games in front of their class and you can see that kind of you know from some people like i don't want to let my guard down i've got this persona going on and the minute they do the kids just respect them far more
1: it's so true i mean teaching is an incredible like any type of teaching whether it's classroom based whether you're a visiting specialist or whatever you know it's it's an incredible um vocation and, and it you know there's some terrible teachers out there we know that but the vast majority of teachers are just incredible and you know i'll always stick up for teachers i think you know in the end i got an opportunity to kind of sidestep out the classroom and i mean i've been at the classroom for 17 years now and you know visited many many schools since doing Mm -hmm. what i do now uh, and i have a team in my business who specialize in going into schools and things but i think uh I'll always have a place in my heart if you like for for teachers and support staff as well classroom assistants all these people because it's a tough job but my goodness other amazing people out there who every day turn up no matter what's going on in their own lives and give it everything and uh, you know we, we need those people in the world right now and actually I think what's been really interesting for me is making the move from being a teacher to a business owner mm-hmm. that still works in schools but also now works a lot with big businesses. Yeah. And I think the business world, the the corporate world, has so much to learn from from education. Um, and you know, we do a lot of work where the, the stuff we deliver with our with big businesses actually we've we've developed in the classroom with with yeah. either teach with teachers or or young kids, and it blows these people's minds what we're doing with them. But it's everyday stuff in uh-huh. the school so like I say yeah. I, I think there's a crossover there and I know there's lots of schools do partner with businesses and there's lots of great work going on lots of new relationships and connections but actually I think there could be more and I think you know quite often it's one way so the schools are learning from the businesses and the kids are learning how businesses are run and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. which is a brilliant thing to, to be learning about but actually I think it goes the other way I think grown-ups right. have a lot to learn from from young people in schools and from teachers because they are they are some seriously talented people
0: well, just reading your books, you know, the emphasis is on play. And I think when we're wee people, it just comes naturally to us to play, to be inquisitive, to be curious. But we almost like unlearn that as adults. So then it's like rediscovering that. Yeah. And like I was reading the chapter where you were saying you did your TEDx talk and you made everybody <laughs> play hide and seek. And I'm like, yeah. yes, and that's kind of oh. Right away when you said you were going to come and do the podcast, I was like, I want to play a game with Gavin because I've not played a game for ages and who better to play a game with than Gavin? Brilliant. It's that idea of, yeah, like play should be a part of our lives and we can learn. It's not frivolous. It's not silly. It's not worthless. That we could take play into all aspects of life, including business, including entrepreneurship, because it's all about those buzzwords, imagination, creativity, innovation. Surely that's that's of great importance.
1: They're huge. And I think, you, you know, I, again, I write about this in, in Life Will See, you know, uh, and Shine, touch on it as well, that, this idea that, um, you know, if you look at the actual science of playfulness, like if you break it down, it's the three things you've just mentioned. It's imagination, creativity and innovation. You remove them from any business, you, you have a problem. You have a huge problem. It doesn't matter what your business is. If you remove those three things out, you're probably not going to succeed, um, you're not going to grow, you're not going to develop, you're not, you know. So one of the one of the people I quote in Life We'll See Now is uh, Professor Stuart Brown, uh, who just wrote a, a book called Play. Uh, and he describes play as being like oxygen. Oh, and what he means by that is it's all around us. You just don't notice it until it's gone. And as I say in the book, there's there's so many people out there know, they know that it's gone. It's gone from their relationships at home. It's gone from friendships. It's gone from the, their place of work. And if you think about, 2020 and you said we weren't going to talk about this but um if you think about 2020 for a lot of people actually that sense of play and playfulness actually for a lot of people has gone this year because mm. if you remove playfulness from the world we wouldn't have things like sport and there was a time this year where we didn't have sport you know we wouldn't have music and actually in many ways we post we have music still we don't have live music yeah. events you know we don't have festivals and concerts at the moment we wouldn't have theater and guess what we don't have that either we wouldn't have lots of new tv we don't really have a lot of that going on at the moment. Movies, books, okay, these things still exist, but actually what what they t- the research shows is that play, um, the way we talk about it in the book, it, it lifts people out of the mundane. And again, right now, I think we could do with an awful lot of people helping others to be lifted out of the mundane. I mean, look at what happened at the weekend there with the presidential uh, election over in America. Like, I know not everyone agrees with the outcome, but you felt a shift there was this shift there was just a lifting like the whole tone on twitter everything just everything's just lifted and that is because of um the the language that's been used has changed and it is all around togetherness and kindness and of course when you are in that moment of play it is about togetherness it's about being in the moment it is about um respect and this mutual uh, place of being, and, and you know that sounds like I'm getting a wee bit deep on that there, but that mm-hmm. is where it comes from,
0: You're, yeah, hundred um, percent.
1: And uh, yeah, we need we need a lifting right now, and uh, you know, fingers crossed, there's a bit more of that to come in the world as they hopefully find some uh, some vaccines and things.
0: <laughs> yes, I mean, in my opinion, everybody just needs to read. Life will see you now, and you'll feel a lot better. Although Gavin Oates, you did make me cry. Your chapter, competently lost. Yeah. Um, and what resonated with me was about the idea of imposter syndrome. And that comes up a lot in this podcast. And people have been really kind enough to be open and honest about feeling that imposter syndrome. And what uh, totally what totally resonated with with me was that idea of when you're in the moment, then that just dissipates. It just goes. When you're in that moment with somebody or with a crowd and you're delivering and you're doing your thing and it's going well and you're loving it and you can't, you, the rest of the world just is away then you're you're loving life but then i guess for other people to see you in that moment would think well how come gavin gets imposter syndrome like how, yeah. how can he have imposter syndrome but this goes up time to time again so h- how do you on a daily or weekly or monthly basis combat that imposter syndrome when it starts to sneak in
1: well it's do you know it's something i'm very slowly getting better at um it's um I mean the title of that chapter, confidently lost. I couldn't think of a better, a better way, a better way to put it. I remember
0: oh.
1: years ago seeing a comment on LinkedIn. Uh, somebody was describing an experience that they had, and they they said, "I just felt this kind of, I felt kind of confidently lost in the moment." And no one, no one picked up. I just remember reading that, going, oh, "I'm I'm writing that down because there's that. I get that, and one day I'm gonna I'm gonna need that phrase." And so that chapter was it. So. Um, how do I combat it? I, with great difficulty sometimes, if I'm being really honest. Um, I, I mean, as you know, that chapter is quite <laughs> quite brutally honest. Um, and as I say in the book, I was really unsure about writing it. And Well, actually no, I was very sure when writing it, but unsure as to whether to include it uh, in the book. Because I wasn't, I didn't sit down to write that chapter, the the day that I did it, just I don't know, it just all came out. Um, and that must have
0: been cathartic in itself, just to write it down. And like you say in the book, like it, it's good to journal or write stuff down, yeah, just to get yeah. it
1: out. well that's it. It just gets it out of your head and gets it down on paper. And you know, just for your listeners to be a wee bit more specific, I have huge run-ins with anxiety, um, it, and I, I still do. Um, there, but this chapter centres on a particular moment, not that long ago, actually, just two years ago, where it was just out of the blue, smacked me in the face and it broke me. It absolutely broke me and it was so unexpected for me in that moment um, because, well, I am Gavin who gets on stage every day and does all these events and talks about positivity and, and I I help a lot of people to not fulfil of their, their mental health and things like that. I've also never shied away from my anxiety. I've, I've all, always spoken about it, but 2018 was... Oh that was horrendous. Um I was really unwell and it lasted many many months. Um after that but um to go back to your question I think you know there's there's things have helped me over the years and it is things like um mindfulness. I always say to people I could be better at mindfulness um you know because it's a daily thing it has to be a daily thing or or you never get the most out of it. Do I do it every single day? Sometimes. I think that's that's my honest answer. There are days where I don't do it. Um, I meet an awful lot of people who will tell me, "Oh, I tried that mindfulness thing for a couple of days. It didn't work." Yeah, but <laughs> they call it they call it a practice for a reason. It's not. It's it's like yeah. you know, it's like when I did the London Marathon. I couldn't just jog around the block twice, and I was ready. I trained for almost two years. <laughs> you know, I, you know, it took me almost two years to get ready because I was so uh-huh. unfit and a bit overweight. It's like that
0: dedication that you need to put into doing yeah, mindfulness.
1: That's it. But I think it sounds so obvious but things like mindfulness but talking but also talking about it just being really honest and open about it um you know every year when things like um international mental health week comes around and stuff like that you know we hear the phrases like oh it's okay to not be okay and you have to talk about it but actually it's true and what life will see you now particularly that chapter has allowed me to do is firstly give create myself a platform to talk about it and It kind of blew me away at the start when this book came out uh, just before the lockdown how many people wanted to talk about that particular uh, Mm -hmm. chapter. Um, You know, who would have known that a pandemic was about to hit and maybe it's Mm -hmm. become more prevalent, more relevant all of a sudden, this book. But also, um, the book allowed me to put the idea of it's okay to not be okay to the test because they tell us it's okay to not be okay, but is it? Like, is it actually okay to put yourself out there and talk about it? And actually, this book, I just went, well, here, here we go. Let's let's just put this book out. Yeah. Um, at the, you know, when when the publishers read it, they were like, oh wow, not weren't expecting that bit. Um, they loved it and they were ready just to blast out there. I questioned it and then I thought, well, no, let's put it to the test. And so far, so far, uh, it turns out it, it is okay to to not really be. Okay. I mean, don't don't yeah. get me wrong. I've had a few weird comments from people I'm, like, I, I'm okay with that because well let's be honest uh, when you look at what some people post on social media it's a crazy place to be but you know I am saying 99% of
0: well I mean bad like bad. in this moment thank you for writing it because I felt like seen and heard and I just you're still writing I love it I mean I've read Life Will See You Now twice <laughs> that's how much I enjoy it brilliant but it just for me it just spoke to me because you just you write like you were speaking you were in the room together i felt that i was reading something that i had written almost although it wasn't my it wasn't an exact representation of my experience but i just um yeah you you've done that you you've allowed other people to read your experience and go yeah that resonates with me That, that that's something that i feel now or i've gone through or that if that happens to me i'll be all right
1: yeah, it, do you know, I, lo- I love I love that, and it's funny though. But speaking of imposter syndrome, like even even you saying that now, there's the wee voice in my head going, "Gaff, that's not you." Like, <laughs> like you've not done this. But I love hearing that because when when I wrote it, um, and the same goes with with the other books as well. Well, well technically that's not true because when I wrote um, A Diary of a Brilliant Kid, Top Secret Guide to Awesomeness for We I knew exactly who I was writing that for. But with Life We'll See you Now, I didn't have an audience in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's blown me away is the variety of of uh, readers. You know, I've had people getting in touch from the other side of the world saying that this book allowed them to escape an eleven-year abusive marriage. And oh you think,
0: goodness. and you think,
1: you think, oh my, oh my god! Like when I when, no, I, I when I'm writing, I don't. That's not what no. I have in mind. No. Um, I've had people get in touch who are suffering with. Uh, not just mental health, but things like cancers and so on. And you know, they're, they're telling me that this is the book that's that's seeing them through their treatment. You know, we had a I had a team of um, NHS frontline workers get in touch about two months into lockdown to say that as a team, they're using my book during the very few breaks they're getting at the moment as their talking point to 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 have this togetherness and this sense of positivity. Wow. And and I read I read this stuff and I get shivers and I'm just like, really. Why? 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 There's a lot of like. There's some way more successful books out there with way more successful authors, like really famous, well-known people. I'm I'm nothing. Capi- so when when you get that feedback, it is lovely, but there is still that voice. Quote, nah. <laughs> the imposter syndrome starts to come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're they're just being kind for the sake of it.
0: I think it's that that thing. Like more and more, I just understand that it, maybe the imposter syndrome. I mean, anxiety, imposter syndrome. Two different things, but can coexist a lot they of the time as well. They definitely go hand
1: in hand, yeah.
0: Yeah, but I think it's just the imposter syndrome is not necessarily always a bad thing. As long as you're able to get yourself over that hurdle and and just realise that we're just all human and that we're not always feeling the same feeling all the time. Like you're well, going to go it. through that roller coaster yep. of emotions. Well, that's it. You can't be.
1: I mean, every every psychologist out there tells us you you can't be happy all the time. You you mm-hmm. you can't, or else. Or else you wouldn't be happy. Like you need you need yeah. to have sad to understand and feel happy. And so I think I think one of the biggest problems we have, and one of the biggest misconceptions we have, is this idea of chasing happiness. And you know, we we talk about in the books this idea that you know when when you die, and it might be news to your listeners, but we are all going to die. Uh, but when we die, like at at your funeral, like nobody's going to be talking about the car that you drove. Well, do you know what? There might be some arsehole. that's all that's interested <laughs> in. Um, but but you know, no one no one's gonna be talking about the car that you drove or how big and fancy your house was. They're gonna be talking about you as a person and you'll be remembered as either one of the good guys or an arsehole. Uh, and so this is why I think, you know, this constant or you know, you, there's so many people I know that once they get into that car, oh well I now want that car. And once they get into that house, oh well, I now want that house. And I'm not saying it's not okay to want nice things. Fill your boots, but actually science tells us that happiness doesn't lie in things happiness lies in experiences and for me it's it's about creating as many experiences as i can for like so my family you know it's it's um it, but it goes back to that thing that you question you asked me at the start about teaching from the minute mm-hmm. in the door it was about creating an experience rather than giving them lots of things um and that, i think that is it's how i run my business That's how i want my books to be i want you know i describe life will see now as being like your favorite album. You know, every chapter is is a different track. You know, one of one of them's the the big upbeat banger, you know, that totally. makes you feel amazing. One of them is the one that makes you cry and you don't know why. Uh but it'll haunt you for a few days and then two years later will be the moment you finally remember why you loved it so much. And then there'll be the weird track that you don't like. But then six months later it's your favorite because it grew on you. And all and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's about it's about the experience for me. Too many people chasing the what's next and uh, rather than appreciating right now.
0: Mm, spot on. So we've got comedy, we've got teaching, we've got writing books and we've got tree of knowledge and keynote speaking. So what what came first? Were you on stage speaking to large crowds and then decided, you know what, this could be a thing, like this could be my job? How, how did that all come around?
1: It was kind of the other way. So I, I was... teaching and I went, it was an in-service day and uh, I went on a workshop being run by a company called Tree of Knowledge and it was called Putting the Fun Back in the Staff Room and I thought this will be dreadful. Um, (laughs) I absolutely don't want it. I heard it was motivational and I was like, oh my God, um, I don't have time for something like this because by that point I would started to become one of them Uh, and by them, I mean them who say things like I've got better things to be doing with my time. Um, But I went on it. Uh, Cause I had to, and I loved it. Like I loved it. It was, it was one of the best things I'd ever done. It was so funny. It was so uplifting. It was so challenging in all the right ways. It ruffled feathers. It pushed buttons. I laughed. I cried. We had a ball. And then um, this guy went away. It was a morning session. He went away at lunch, and we all sat in the staff room for that whole hour of lunch, just buzzing about what happened. And I just couldn't help but think, that's his job. Like. He's, he's basically taken my two passions, stand-up comedy uh, and teaching and put them together. Now, they, I said earlier, I think they're the same thing anyway, but instead of being in one classroom, he's taking this all round schools. And I just thought, I want I want a bit of that. So actually, I, him and I had been chatting during the break and, and he said, oh, if you ever think about leaving teaching, give me a shout. So the truth is, I quit my job that day. Uh, when I read that, I was just like,
0: yeah. obviously just in that moment, it, it was just became crystal clear.
1: Well, I'd never done anything as as sudden, if you like, as that, and and you know, there's a lot of risk involved there, but but there also isn't because I I could just I could do it for six weeks and go back on the supply list and things like that. So, um, but I, I went and worked with him uh, for about five or six years, and then I led a buyout I, in that business um, with two of my colleagues, and we started Tree of Knowledge again, and that was when the sort of, corporate side of the business grew as well. So when I joined Tree of Knowledge, what I did was deliver workshops to kids. Uh, And actually it was secondary age groups. It was teenagers, which to begin with terrified me, but then it became my norm. And so for years, almost, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, a good six or seven years, all I did was work in schools with young people, occasionally teachers as well. Um, And then when we took over the business, that steadily became uh, businesses as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was just basically, I think around about the 10 year mark, for me, so I'm about 17, 18 years into this, Right about the 10 year mark. Um, I think I just basically naturally built up a reputation um, just by keep turning up at all sorts of events. And then eventually somebody would say, look, we've got a conference. Do you, would you be able to do like a wee 20 minute thing? It's a much bigger stage. There's maybe like mm-hmm. 300 people in the room. And I was like, oh, I don't know, I'll, well, I'll try it. And then someone in that audience said, oh, I've got an event, could you come in? And it it was literally that, it just, organically almost accidentally naturally just kind of grew and grew and grew uh, until it got to the point where actually that became most of my time Uh, and that probably started to happen maybe three four years ago Um, and and then when the books my first book shine came out about three years ago the success of that book just just shifts perceptions again rightly or wrongly and people want you more to speak at bigger events and um they want to pay you more to do that and and it's just kind of grown by by accident and but i love it Uh, i mean give me a thousand people in an arena two thousand people and give me 40 minutes and just let me do my thing Uh, i don't use any powerpoint i don't have i don't have slides i just want to get up on that stage and and make people i just want to give them an experience i want them to be entertained enlightened and educated you know just have a ball
0: and I love the fact that you have all these other experiences that you've had, you know, doing the comedy and, and being a teacher, that that's then what you then speak about, because it's a lived experience, like, yeah. I've done these things, and I've met these people, and I've realised this thing, and you can realise it too, and I'm going to tell you, it's not this made up story, it's it's just how you've been able to see the world because you've had these different experiences.
1: Yeah, it's true. I, I think it's been interesting though because I like see on the actual. I'm going to call it the speaker circuit where I'm. I am not a prominent figure on that circuit. However, occasionally I dot in and out of that because um, I'm not. I'm. I didn't win a medal at the Olympics. You know, I didn't win a bronze for canoeing in the Commonwealth yeah. Games. Uh, one day, you know, um, but I'm also not a. I'm not a movie star. I'm not. I'm not a TV presenter. I wasn't on The Apprentice. You know, like every year when The Apprentice comes on, all of a sudden yeah. they're on the speaking circuit for a year and then they disappear. Um, what I've done is not what they've done. Like I, I haven't. I haven't climbed a mountain. I didn't win a medal. I et cetera, et cetera. I was a teacher who happened to have a passion for comedy that took me around the world at a very young age, and I did some cool stuff before the days of YouTube and social media and things like that. And um, I've just got a bit of a story to tell, but I've learned how to tell that story in a way that uplifts, motivates, inspires and teaches and so on. So I've, I've almost had to, I'm not saying I've had to work harder than anyone. I, I wouldn't suggest that. Well, I've definitely worked harder than one or two people that
0: have
1: <laughs> landed, landed on that speaker circuit. I can tell you that, uh, but they, but they charge 10 times more. So, Hey, who's winning. Um, but, oh. uh, but I, um, like I said, I don't think I've had to work harder, but, I've gone a much more normal every day. Yeah. I think that's why this is resonating with people because I'm not a celebrity. I wasn't on the telly. I haven't won a medal, et cetera, et cetera. And it, I think over the years that I've been doing this, that's the bit that has slowly made people sit up and go, actually, at times it's maybe a little bit more inspiring coming from this guy because... His route wasn't in through celebrity.
0: I think it's just that connection again. If someday, you know, it's the same with this podcast. I haven't sought out people because I think oh, that will get me plenty of listeners. Yes. No, it's because I want to hear that person's story. I want to have that conversation because every every sto- everybody's story is relevant and relative, and there'll be a takeaway for you that will be different for someone else. Yes. And you're just saying like, I'm I'm just a guy who did some things that. Re- pretty cool and here's what i learned and here's what i've got to offer then yeah that's when people are going to sit up and listen because they can identify with you
1: yeah i think it's definitely yes i mean it's that i mean i talk about my kids i talk about uh i talk about how i'm feeling i talk about my mom and dad and uh you know most most people know what that is you know so
0: but i love all the magic like anecdotes like you know be the milk big crisps or massive crisps and the sun lounger principle like they're just genius because these things like stick in your head they're not long-winded complicated principles or processes that you need to try and remember to have like a better day or a better life like we all know the magic of finding a massive crisp
1: absolutely crisp. You know, it's funny my my friend kevin that i mentioned earlier that i do the the podcast with who was recently in the semi-final of britain's got talent yeah, i might as
0: um,
1: he um He's hilarious. When he talks about what I do, um he always takes the mickey, but he he does it with love, but he he's always said the way I do it, he's like it's not like anyone else can because he, he said I know this isn't right, but I always think that you speak in parables, <laughs> which I've never <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if that's the right thing to compare it to or not, but but that's how he describes it and and when I listen to him kind of like I get what you're saying. It's just we stories. I just take we stories and I, I make, as you say, talking about finding giant crisps. I mean, that came from a tweet that I saw Macaulay Culkin put out there on, on Twitter. And he, and he just said he's yet to find a level of enthusiasm that tops, holy shit, look at the size of this giant potato chip. And I just It's so true. And it became a, and I used that quote to start the book and it's now become a thing. You know, people are like, oh, you're the crisp guy. And I'm like, well, technically I'm not, but I'll take it. And then <laughs> be, be the milk, that's become a whole that's basically that. my life recently everyone's like well, can you do Be The Milk and it's like you're at, it's like a band you know people <laughs> do that track and I'm like you want me to do Be The Milk I'll do Be The Milk
0: okay that's like the wedding band that have got to play like the hit song of the year in it and they're like I do <laughs> yeah. I have to play an Adele song but alright yeah yeah. <laughs> you made so it onto your own back sir
1: <laughs> I, have. I have I'll take it
0: Well, this is the thing, it just like the idea of the sun lounger principle. So, getting up super early on your first day of your holiday to make sure you get down and get the best spot, the best sun lounger, like the energy, the effort that goes into it, like walking like one of those speed walkers, like the concentration on the determination that you're going to get there and make that happen. And the planning,
1: and the planning Uh that goes in ahead
0: of it. I love how you were like sliding under the door like a cheetah A4 paper. I'm like, yes! And that's how you. You should attack every day, but it's not always possible to be that enthusiastic and be that energetic. But just thinking about the sun principle, it just gives you a wee bit
1: more of a boost. Well, if you can put that much effort, planning, creativity, thought, time, passion, speed into like a moment when you're meant to be On holiday, I might add. Well, you don't, you shouldn't have to worry about any of that stuff because you're so relaxed. If you can do that for fourteen mornings in a row on holiday, you can do that with your health. You know, you can do that with your fitness. You can do that with your learning. You can do that with your job, your career, and you can do that with your children. You know, Uh, and and so on and so on and so on. So yeah, it was you know when that that actually came to me a few years ago, uh, the sunlunger principle. A good few years ago now. Actually, it was when I was writing Shine. um, I actually originally wrote sun Linger principle for that but it wasn't it wasn't right at the time i hadn't quite got the wording right and then i forgot about it and then there was a little short version of it went into zest and then when life will see you now came around i was like all right now now's the time to to focus on that and uh, again it's one of those ones that a lot of people have been in touch to say oh my god the sun lounger principle that's so me i was like it's all of you
0: <laughs> everybody <laughs>
1: yeah i do it I, like but well, actually, I don't. Since I wrote it, I was like, nah, I, I now cannot be that person. So it's that idea of, you know. In case get you, up you and get
0: spotted on holiday. Well, that's, well, that's it. Oates doing the Sun Principle.
1: <laughs> that would be awful. <laughs> well, to be
0: fair, when you're on holiday, that is your downtime because the rest of the year you are absolutely executing that Sun Lounge or Principle about everything that you do. Absolutely. Now, before we got on thing about bobs and I didn't tell you what they are, but we'll get there. I guess we should probably mention 2020 and the idea of be a goose. Being a goose means being like the best for the team and not in the team. And I think that idea of community is hopefully what is going to come out of 2020. Would you agree?
1: I, I do. I, I certainly hope so. Um I think you know, I think people need to never forget that moment where there was a sense of community early on in lockdown. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, for some people, that's already gone. They've already lost that and forgotten about it, and that's a shame. But you know, there was an incredible mindset that was embraced uh, for, for a while, um, and I think I think we need to hold on to that and realise that that's possible. You know, we're, we're capable of that, and, you know, you used the phrase there about being the best for the world rather than in the world, and I'm a real believer in this. It's, it's known as the benefit mindset. Um, you know, you get you know, I talk about it um, in the context of the New Zealand All Blacks. Now, it's not a phrase that they use, but, you know, they are all about community and togetherness. You know, you're trying to be the best in the team or the best for the team, because that changes everything. Everything changes how you think, changes how you speak, changes how you act and behave. Um, And yeah, I think, um, or I hope that most people will remember and feel and embrace that sense of community that, that has definitely been there uh, in 2020 and i mentioned the american uh, presidential election results over the weekend there and you just felt that shift there was a, there was a sense of relief for so many people there was this moment of you know maybe we can get back to you know moving away from this de- divisive uh, this division that that that's been there you know and a politics of hate and and separation and and things like that so don't get me wrong, twenty twenty has been an absolute shit show for so many people, myself included, Lisa. Like this is this has not been a great year. You know, business wise, it's better now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a three month moment where I was genuinely concerned. And that's no different from any business. Um, particularly those that are reliant on rooms full of people in schools. But when schools shut for five or six months and you're not allowed to get beamed into the homes of those people, totally. what do you do? So this has not been it's not been fun. Um but what I've been blown away by is the creativity um the resilience um the the belief the positivity the hope the togetherness that that has presented itself mm-hmm. and um I'm aware that there are people out there who will not have seen and felt that, but you need to go and look for it you know you need you to yeah you, 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 right you need to put yourself into those situations and choose to see it. I remember years ago um or two or three years ago, my my friend Andy Cope, who I wrote Shine with, yeah. um, he told me this thing that he he actually wrote it in Shine. But he said he said to me, I remember having this moment, Gavin, where I realised that everywhere I go, I am there, and I remember laughing, going, "That's ridiculous." Of course, you are there. And he went, "No, you don't understand. I am stuck with me for the whole journey, and I am going well." Obviously, and he, and then I sort of sat for a moment, I was thinking, "Do you know what? It's absolutely genius. You are stuck with you every single day. So if you are going to be stuck with you." then surely you want to be stuck with a version of you that is full of life, that that has something about them, an energy, a passion, a care, whatever you want to call it, rather than that kind of insipid, burnt out version of yourself that some people are stuck with for a very long time. Now, there's lots of reasons why that might happen, but you can always choose, always, always, always choose to shift things in different directions. It might take a while. Mm -hmm. This is not a, you don't wake up in the morning and flick a switch in your brain and everything in life's okay again. But you can choose. You can choose to move things in different directions. You can choose to try different things, read different books, wear different clothes, talk to different people. You can also choose to stop talking to certain people uh, and stop socialising with certain people.
0: Yeah. It's like curating your feed almost, isn't it? Like, you you know, if you're looking at an Instagram page that doesn't fill you with joy, then just maybe not follow
1: it. And by the way, it could be a family member. Yeah, absolutely. but, But... you know, if there's if there's someone or something that is making you feel unwell, remove it. Uh It is doable. It's not easy. And no, by the way, nobody's claiming it's easy. And it, it could take two years. Yeah. And the thing is, I said earlier, you know, we can't just keep chasing happiness. You need the down times as well. And, you know, in the books we write about, you know, let those days in, show them around, but make sure you show them the door.
0: I could speak to you for hours, sir, but I know you're in demand. I've got a couple of thingamabob questions for you. Go for it. They are random questions that ask my guests at the end i love of, i
1: love a random question
0: well here you go can you finish this sentence i have always wanted to
1: um stop worrying
0: oh i bagged that one <laughs> <laughs> if you could only, i know this will be a tough one if you could only hear one song from now on what song would it be
1: um You're right, it is a tough one, but I have to choose. So I'm going with a... Do you know I'm just going with with what I'm listening to at the moment? I'm going with a song called Wonderland by Big Country.
0: Nice one. Have a look that one up. A 99 or a nugget wafer? Nugget wafer. If you could choose someone to narrate one of your books, whose voice would you choose?
1: David Bowie.
0: Boom, boom. Two more? (laughs) Yeah. Best day you've ever had?
1: Um, That would be, again, it's a bit like choosing your favourite song because I've just gone with the song that I'm listening to the most at the moment. Um, and that's, and that's not even a band that I've listened to a lot. But um, best day ever would be the, uh, the day I ran the London Marathon. It's just uh, the most uplifting sense of life and purpose and togetherness I've ever experienced in my life. And I'm putting I'm putting ahead of my children's being born, my wedding day. Yeah, London Marathon.
0: Wow. And you lost all your toenails in the process. So I did, it all of good. them. <laughs> <laughs> and the question that I ask everyone at the end of the podcast is, what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Gallus. Yes!
1: Gallus is my absolute all-time favourite word. And it's funny because gallus has a slightly different traditional meaning from how it's used where I'm from. Um, you know, to be gallus is to have that sort of brave cheek- bit of cheekiness and forwardness about you. But ac- actually growing up in Ayrshire, it was just used to describe something that was great. You know, if or if, you know, if you, if you had a brilliant meal or oh, my meal was gallus, Oh, that's, oh a, that's a gallus restaurant. So I actually use it slightly differently from, from the traditional Scottish meaning of gallus, but, but yeah, gallus is my favorite word. And I actually, I, I used it in the book. It's that it gets a mention and, uh, I have had a couple of people get in touch saying like out in America and Canada and places like that saying that they had to Google the word Gallus. And I was like, Oh yes. Love it.
0: <laughs> well, sir, I cannot thank you enough for doing this. This has been an absolute joy to chat with you. As I say, I could speak to you for hours and ends, but um, thank you for joining the Brawbraith clan and I wish you all the best in whatever adventures you go on next. And thanks thank for, for playing that game with me
1: no I love it Lisa and listen big love to you and everyone that's listening um, it's funny times and we need more people like you out there doing what you do so uh, thank you and uh, yeah have an amazing week and have an amazing Christmas when it comes round
0: you said the C word
1: absolutely 100% Gavin, I'm so excited bring it on we do I'm to making the decorations <laughs> <laughs> listen thank you
0: so much have a great day Gavin and I'll speak to you soon thank you I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the brawn the brave a podcast about people and their passions join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests bye for now